Hey, this is episode 99 of the Happen to Your Career podcast. And before we get started, I want to do something a little bit differently because this is an interesting time in my life. For the last two years, I've been working on building HTYC to be able to help other people that really struggled with what I struggled with for many, many, many years. And that is really identifying and finding work or multiple types of work that really fit you, fit you and your personality and your authentic self and your signature strengths and everything else that we've quite frankly talked about on this show and in our business. And, you know, that's been, that's been quite a journey for me. And next week I hang up my career full-time, actually November 25th is the official day. Uh, I hang up my full-time HR career officially, officially, and then I jump in full two feet. And granted, you know, we've been building this two years, so there's a, <laughs> I'm not stepping off the dock into the water. Don't worry about me. I'm just, we're doing really, really well. That's part of the reason why I'm able to, able to do that. We've been able to help a lot of people uh, identify and find and, and move to what they really want to be doing. But it is a special time for me. I want you to hang around after this episode too, because you're going to get a clip about what's going to happen for episode 100, which is very conveniently timed. We'll see you then. I was actually brought up in like a really wealthy family and then um, flipped that script completely where we were like really struggling financially and literally went from living in like a mansion and being dropped off to school in a Ferrari to living across the streets from like housing projects in like a lower income area. Yeah, I mean, my my entrepreneurial journey started at the age of 13 um, and when I was 15, I started one of the first online yellow pages and um, didn't really have a clue what I was doing but it felt like this was something that was going to revolutionize so many parts parts of the world and you know I was I was practically a millionaire at 20 years old you know it was at the moment that I realized that the reason I was pursuing such financial success is because I felt a void in my life and I was trying to prove myself to the world and that I thought that that's what I needed to do to gain people's acceptance and love. This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. You're listening to Happen to Your Career. This is the show that helps you figure out what work fits you and how to actually make it happen. We explore other stories. We bring on experts like... The author of The Power of Starting Something Stupid, Richie Norton, or maybe even people that have amazing stories like Paula Davis-Lack, who has beat career burnout in her own life and now actually teaches others to be resilient, or even people like you that have gone from where they are to what they want to be doing. So they're people that are just like our next guest. And I've got to tell you a little bit about him. He's, he's, He's been in the entrepreneur space, but he's also been outside of the entrepreneur space. And that's part of the reason I love his story. He's had a lot of experiences, uh, 22 years, in fact, in, in his career since he began with eight startups uh, intently that we're going to hear a little bit about in our talk is his eighth startup, which they actually remove ads. This is actually pretty amazing. They remove ads and replace them with customized images and words that inspire. 
Intently is, I think, revolutionizing the way that we browse the internet. And he's a strong supporter of entrepreneurship and and he even mentors startup founders. Oh, yeah, he also created one of the first online yellow pages at the age of 15. So I want you to hear about our conversation in just a second. But you're going to, when you listen, we're going to pay attention for when we talk about zones of genius and what they are and, and how knowing yours can actually make all the difference in, in your career and your success and satisfaction and how that works. And then you're also going to learn why it's actually not beneficial to compare your career journey to anyone else's, contrary to what uh, what you might believe. So even though you're going to hear Misha's story, I don't want you to compare yourself to him. And we'll talk about that. And also, I want you to listen for how to find out how you can program your mindset for success just by browsing the internet. And part of that has to do with Intently. So without further ado, Misha Michalian, right about now. Hey, so just just like before we really got in here, I told you I really wanted to dive into your story because you have you've got a great one, and and I mean that. Um, I, I'm not sure if we would have. I'm not sure if I would have been so excited. We probably wouldn't have had you on if if you don't. But I, I really want to talk a little bit about that and how things have transgressed for you over the years. But then I also want to dive into really what you're doing now, because I think it's pretty cool and and I think people should know about it. But um, it, where does where does this start for you? Because I, I thought I read someplace that, you know, at a pretty young age, you're doing you're doing online stuff for yellow pages. And like, where does this actually start for you? Yeah, well, I mean, my my entrepreneurial journey started at the age of 13 um, and when I was 15, I started one of the first online yellow pages and um, didn't really have a clue what I was doing, but it felt like this was something that was going to revolutionize so many parts parts of the world. And I just saw it, you know, the internet being a place for local businesses to show up. And the interesting part is at the time, everybody told me I was crazy because they were the view of the internet at that time was that the internet is this thing that's global that's connecting people globally but it's you know nobody's going to use it for local information because they can get that somewhere else that it doesn't it's not you know a good alternative for that so you know the the interesting thing was like really in the face of lots of smart people like my friends parents in high school or what have you telling me that this just isn't going to work and doesn't make any sense like I kept with it and I kept going and and that theme is something that is stuck with me like multiple times in my career where, you know, I felt like even without people getting what I'm doing or seeing it, that if, if I'm holding on to a vision that I believe in, um, that to continue down that path. So not to get too deep too quickly, but that, that kind of fascinates me quite a bit because you started pretty young with that, the whole concept of, um, really holding on to what you believe is going to happen. You know, usually for most people, that's happening a lot later in life, if it happens at all. So, what, where does that even? How does how does that enter into your life? First, mm, yeah, let's I, set up some context here too. So, uh, you're you're at home. Um, living with family uh, during 13 and everything like that. You got brothers, sisters. How does, what's the context here? 
You know, it's interesting because um, what happened is through like a series of events and like a family divorce, I was actually brought up in like a really wealthy yeah. family and then um, flipped that script completely where we were like really struggling financially and literally went from living in like a mansion and being dropped off to school in a Ferrari to living across the streets from like housing projects in like a lower income yeah. area. And that whole experience really created something in me that um, drove me to, you know, it, it started with a, I asked my mom for a pair of Air Jordans and she told me we couldn't afford it anymore. And that was just like totally unacceptable to me because like I always had the new Air Jordans and that was like a big deal to a 13 oh, yeah. year old. So, you know, I, <clears throat> I at that moment decided like, well, screw this. I'm going to go out and figure out how to make my own money for these Jordans. And, you know, by the time I was 16, I was making over $100,000 a year. So it was really a, um, you know, a catalyst for me. And, you know, there's, there's something to be said about the naivete of being just a young person that thinks anything's possible. Um, it's actually been harder for me later in my career as I've seen more failures and seen how hard it is to maintain that view. Um, and I've had to work on that. But it, back then, it was actually really easy. It was just my natural frame on the world. That's interesting. And as, as you get, uh, we'll call it seasoned slash jaded, then, <laughs> then you sort of want some of that back, or at least I feel like I do many times. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a constant work in progress to keep it active at this point. So then what, what happened from there? You are, uh, you've earned your Air Jordans and then some at 16, 16, uh, you, you hit the six figure mark. First of all, what, what, are, what are your, what do your parents think of all this? I'm curious. You know, it's, um, as I like rebuild my relationship with my dad later in life, he was really proud of me for what I had accomplished. And my mom has always been like super supportive from the very beginning. You know, she, when I got in trouble in school for like running side businesses on campus, she would come in school and yell at the principal <laughs> for, 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 for not encouraging me to do this. She was, she was like, she was always had my back because, you know, I would, I would run up against obstacles and she would come in and say, you know, like, what are you guys doing? So, um, that's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I've got this image in my mind now of, of your mom, like in the principal's office, just going to town and yeah, I actually so when I was when I was yeah. 13 years old I found that I figured an opportunity on how to how to sell shoeboxes to my fellow students to make money cuz on our first day of junior high our science teacher said that we need to bring in a shoebox halfway into semester on this date for this project and if we don't bring it in mm. we fail the project and it's like 20% of our grade. Mm. So when I got closer to that date I was about to tell the person sitting next to me like hey don't forget your shoebox and the idea struck to like actually bring extra shoe boxes and sell them. So I ended up making well over a couple thousand dollars like selling shoe boxes that day to all the kids in the class that <laughs> forgot them. And um and I ended up getting in trouble for it. And my mom was like the first person to just defend me and say like, you know, I actually encouraged him to do this. This is like remarkable that my son has this like foresight and, you know, like drive to do this, you know, I can't believe you guys as a school is, are actually like 
putting him, getting him in trouble for it, you know? So that was, a, that was a really fun conversation to be in with the principal, just being like, see, I told you my mom would be <laughs> cool with this. Like she's been driving me around to all these shoe stores, collecting shoe boxes for the last four weeks, you know? <laughs> oh, that, that is hilarious. So, so then you go from shoebox conversation to, <laughs> to, uh, to eventually, you know, six figures and at, at 16 and then what really starts to happen from there for you? What's, what's kind of that next step in that journey? Yeah. You know, so it was interesting because I had a lot of early success. So like before I was 21, I had done numerous businesses and, and, you know, I was, I was practically a millionaire at 20 years old. And, um, from that point, I actually reached this like, weird space where I felt like I missed out on all the normal things kids get to experience in life and in college. And, and I totally kind of flipped and started being just really irresponsible with my money. And I made a lot of bad investments. And, you know, long story short, a few years later, I ended up completely broke and about a quarter million dollars in debt. So I, I like had this huge, like crash and burn, so to speak, like, in my mid twenties, very early in my career. Um, and really like the most challenging critical part of my career was, was getting through that and just dealing with like all the kind of self judgment and all the just, you know, how, how much I screwed things up and like really admitting that and facing it and rising above that has been like really the biggest, you know, biggest turning point and challenge in my career. And from that point forward, I really, really learned how to be a leader and learned how to build teams and, and really took a step in, you know, building more scalable businesses that are, you know, and now really with a focus on, on impacting the planet with the businesses I've created and having a lot more meaning behind the work I'm doing rather than just trying to prove myself or like, you know, feed, my ego. So at what point then really did that, that start to flip for you going from almost that, uh, I don't even know what to call it, Misha, like the uh, success or achievement mindset into that. Now you're talking about your businesses that serve a bigger picture or serve a bigger purpose for lack of a better phrase. You know, it was at the moment that I realized that the reason I was pursuing such financial success is because I felt a void in my life and I was trying to prove myself to the world and that I thought that that's what I needed to do to gain people's acceptance and love. And it was at a point that that was really clear to me and I realized how unfulfilled I was even with all that success that I really started to like, that's when I started down my personal development journey and really started working on me and distinguishing all these different things that were happening and ended up in a place where now it's like I'm really more motivated by my contribution and and kind of the impact of what I'm creating is for the world. So I'm really curious because, I mean, you've been around the entrepreneurial space for a long time and you've gotten to meet lots of different people, but do you feel like you sort of have to go through that type of experience and maybe not in the same way that uh, that you did necessarily, but going through that realization of uh, almost hitting like what you feel success might've been or getting closer to it or something else and then having the realization, or do you think people can go through that without having that set of experiences? 
I'm just curious. Yeah. I, 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 no, I actually think it's really interesting you ask that question because I've, I've recently come to a point where like I actually see is like you don't have to go through that. That And, and what I look at entrepreneurs and, and, and people that I admire and, and model myself afterwards after, I, I see that all entrepreneurs are on their own unique journey. And there's buckets of journeys that might look similar or what have you, but that everybody everybody's in a unique place. And it's it's really of a disservice to compare your journey to somebody else's because, you know, everybody brings their own unique skills, yeah. talents, and things to the table. So like when I look at Elon Musk and the way he runs companies, like I really admire him yeah. and I, you know, honor him. Like I'm very different in the way I run my business, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, you know? And it's it's really coming to terms with like there's a reason we're all doing what we're doing and there's certain types of life circumstances and ways we've evolved individually that that have brought up different strengths for each of us to leverage and my strengths are very different than like Elon's strengths or Steve Jobs' strengths or Mark Zuckerberg's strengths and it doesn't serve us to really like compare those things i feel like it it serves us to embrace what makes us unique and special in terms of our contributions and to like, and to surround ourselves by the people that complement each other and those other strengths so we can all succeed as a team. So what do you feel like are some of your strengths in particular? I know that's kind of an odd, like, t- tell me about what's awesome about you type uh, type question. So maybe, it, I don't know if it feels awkward or not, but I- I'm really curious because I-, I totally agree with you. And we spend a lot of time talking about that on this show. Uh, but I'm I'm really curious what what some of those are for you. Yeah, no, it's it's not an awkward question at all. It's actually like really important. I feel like for people to realize that, articulate it, and own it. So, you know, if I look at like what are my superpowers, what what are really like when I'm operating in my zone of genius, I'm I'm being creative. So I'm coming up with creative ideas and visions for the companies I'm working on. I'm problem solving. So I'm like working on solving a problem and resolving it. Um, I'm, I'm the enroller. So I am enrolling other people in our vision, whether that's teams or partners or clients. Like I am, <clears throat> I am the person who can best communicate and articulate our vision and I focus on like the highest priority relationships that need to be made to um, help us contribute to our success. And like, so those, those are my zone of geniuses. And I actually look quarter by quarter, like what percentage of my time am I spending within that zone and what can I do to increase that capacity every quarter? And, you know, it's, it's challenging when you, like I just sold my last company last year and we had 50 employees and like I was operating in my zone of genius like 70% of the time and now like starting up a new company with like seven people and a very small team you know like I'm spending a lot less time in my zone of genius and I'm constantly working on you know how do we get to that next place where like I'm really where the company is getting the most of me that is that's fascinating um (laughs) partially because I'm a total nerd like that. And I, um, love talking about that, but I, I'm curious how you, how you're actually doing that. How are you actually evaluating that? Is that just like reflection, you know, once a week and saying, well, I probably spent, you know, 50% and 50, uh, or like, how are you actually internalizing that, figuring that out? Yeah, that's something I really look at kind of 
briefly monthly and re like really set objectives on quarterly. So like um, versus a week by week, I might be looking at more things on a tactical level. Um, but on a at the end of the month, I'm reviewing our quarterly goals and my personal goals for the quarter, which might include, you know, I actually just did this recently and I, I looked at, you know, what are the specific things that I'm spending time on that would be better served by other people doing it? And I'm working with an operations manager I just brought yeah. on board to get that outsourced. And he's taking that on. Um, so, you know, so by the end of this quarter, I'm hitting a new kind of target in terms of my resource allocation. And then then I'll look at, okay, what's next for next quarter, you know? Um, so it's it's like just being in a rotation of a, a, a constant stream of improvement. So do you find then, now that we're on this chain, <laughs> I'm just absolutely... Um, I don't know, excited to talk to you a little bit about this, but do, do you find then that when you're, like you mentioned, uh, you know, last quarter, it was closer to 70%, this closer or this quarter, this most recent time period, um, closer to, I think you said 50% or something like that. But does that, does that impact your level of happiness or energy or any of those other psychological outputs, I guess? Yes, no, absolutely, and and that that drop was actually when from my last company to this company, not from quarter to okay. quarter, just because like it was, I had a different level of support team behind me that allowed me to be at a seventy yeah. percent of being in my yeah. zone of genius, and um, <clears throat> so you know it definitely impacts me, and it's something that I have to like shift my mindset around when I'm like. Like right now, if I'm spending more than 50% of my time outside of my zone of genius, but I know that's what I have to do to make this company work, it's it's something that I struggle with. Like I struggle with like, okay, how do I do that and still feel that level of like, you know, motivation and, you know, love for what I do when there's things I'm doing that I really don't want to be doing. And I think it's, you know, it's harder to overcome when you're more successful too, you know, because it's like, I've done this before. I've been through this before. Like, I don't, I don't need to make this company work to pay yeah. my bills. It's like, you have to find a deeper level of motivation. And for me, that comes from really like, what's bigger than me in what we're doing and what my role is and all that and, and what's needed to really um, make our company so thrive. So with this last shift then, what was that deeper level of motivation? You know, I was really looking at, at the business we're creating right now has an opportunity to shift the entire advertising industry, this $150 billion yeah. industry, into a force for good in the world. We we have a model that we've developed that actually shifts the balance of power between companies and consumers and has companies showing up in a way that is more aligned with what consumers want. So to me, that's like, wow, like if, if I can have an ad bat, even if I've got only like a 10% chance of making this work, like, you know, I'm willing to give it 100% of who I am to get to that outcome because of that, that outcome would have such a tremendous benefit to the future of humanity. So for everybody who's listening, uh, can you explain that company just a little bit? Give everybody a little bit of context. 
Yeah, so our the company we're working on is called Intently. And from, from the consumer perspective, what Intently does is it eliminates all the ads you see while you browse the internet. And it replaces those ads with your own specific goals, intentions, and motivational quotes that align you to your highest self. So you're now getting reprogrammed subconsciously to show up in a more powerful way in your life and in alignment with your goals and intentions in life. And that, that's having profound effects on our users. We've had stories of users that were suicidal that are now thriving because of some of the intently channels that were created for them. We've had you know, stories of people that are just kind of, they're hitting their goals in life because it's, things are more in their awareness and they're seeing it over and over again. Um, but the way that that's going to shift the advertising industry is we're actually, the way these ad blocking companies work, and ad blocking is, is a huge growth area right now. 22% yeah. of internet users are using ad blocking. It's going to be 50% within two years. And ad blocking has established legal precedence now that it's, it's, it's totally legal and okay to block people's ads, that the courts have ruled it's up to the users whether or not they want to install that software. The ad blocking companies aren't liable for this. So what's basically happening is in the ad industry, instead of publishers controlling advertisements, now the ad blocking companies are. And they release a certain percentage of advertising to help pay their bills, but they block 90% of the ads and they let 10% through, let's say. So what we're doing is we're building a better system to do that in which consumers are actually empowered to choose those ads based on their choice and like based on what they want in their life. So, so if you're, you know, let's say you're a woman and you're pregnant, like we can suggest an ad filter that shows you ads for baby products that have been certified to meet specific standards of safety. So when you see that ad with that seal on it, you know that that's not just a product that interests you, but it's a product that interests you because it meets the standard that, that you care about in the world. You know, or let's say you're an activist who really cares about you know, sustainability of our planet, environmental issues. You can choose to only see ads from companies that are meeting certain standards and sustainability. So you're supporting companies that are aligned with your values. And we feel that by giving that choice to the consumer consumers will actually be voting with their mind share how companies show up in the world. And at scale, companies will now have to adapt to what consumers want in order to even get into their awareness. So it really gives an empowering like crowdsourcing of, of, of context to the world to determine what kind of companies they want to support. And then the companies will have to meet that or they won't be able to advertise to you. So, you know, we feel like that would be a very positive shift for the ad industry and take it into a direction that, you know, really empowers consumers to, to have, a, have a say in all this. This is, uh, first of all, I got to say that I, I understand why this is your zone of genius. <laughs> <As far as, laughs> it's coming it's across very clearly right now. I love that. Uh, and it, it, as you're listening to this, I want you to go check it out. In fact, what we'll do is we'll we'll make sure that we've got links to it in in our show notes so that you can go there, um, check out intently. Um, I went and checked it out and I was blown away. Just I mean, not even not even the uh, the power that it can um, have with disrupting the ad industry quite a bit, which I love, and that's a whole separate uh, so separate thing. But just in the individual benefit to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, to just even show you as the end user 
inspirational messages. Just just on the very face value piece, it's it's amazing. And then you get into all of the deeper and second level pieces too, which are are very very cool. So, how how did this actually come about? I was that's one thing I couldn't really find <coughs> any place. I couldn't find any good articles or anything else. Like how did how did the idea for this really come about? Yeah, so it was interesting. So. <clears throat> as I was like really not motivated anymore by my previous company because I really wanted to do something that was more scalable, that can have more of an impact, I actually sat down and thought through what I wanted my next company to look like. And I, and I defined seven different attributes about it and that, that related to not only like what the company does, like it'll be very scalable based on like some type of software that was going to have an impact on humanity. It, I, I had very specific ideas there in terms of what I wanted it to be able to accomplish and contribute, but I also had specific ideas in terms of how it would leverage my own strengths and the strengths of my business partner. And and once I defined those things, I just kind of surrendered to to just like the idea coming to me. I just let it go. And several weeks later, I was meditating, and I and I just had a flash like of inspiration. I saw, I saw myself behind my computer and my ads in my meditation and my vision were like, they weren't ads anymore. They were things that were supporting me, like preparing me for my next meeting and like hyping me up throughout the day and like, and connecting me to my goals. And I just like, I popped out of my meditation. I was like, is that possible? Like, can we do that? Has anyone done that yet? And I just, you know, I instantly called my business partner and I was like, I think I have our next business. And he, he really resonated with it. And then I jumped on Google and I started looking for something that was even remotely similar and I found nothing like it. So I was like, all right, this is it. And uh, we're, we've been off to the races ever since. That, I'm glad we got to that. I did not know the story behind that at all. Very cool. Very cool. So here's what I'm really curious because a lot of the, a lot of the folks that are listening to this show are really interested in figuring out what it is that they want to be doing, should be doing. Uh, what are the things that fit with their zones of genius, their strengths, and and everything in between? So I'm I'm really curious as you were thinking about, or even as you thought about different businesses in the past in evaluated opportunities, how how you thought about that and sort of what process you've used to really really bring in more of what you want into your life and kind of remove the stuff that doesn't fit as well. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is like, how do I evaluate uh, like a new business idea and if decide if it's something I want to move forward? I I would say not even necessarily just business, but for anything that you are considering bringing into your life. Yeah. You know, I think it starts with, with cultivating your own self-awareness so you're coming from a place that's connected with a better understanding of who you are um, and investing time in that. And as you cultivate stronger sense of self-awareness, you're naturally going to see things in your life that aren't congruent with where you want them to be. <clears throat> and you start coming up with you know, game plans to, to work on those areas of your life. And you know, since I've been in that phase of my life, I've just been like year after year kind of tackling different areas of my life and really up-leveling them, you know, from my relationship with my family to community to my health to my business to, you know, how I show up as a leader. So there's, um, you know, it's really just 
getting clear on what it is you want and coming from a really genuine, genuine place. Cause you know, it's also like, even without the self-awareness, like it's sometimes it's a really powerful motivator to not be aware. Like when I was driven by my ego and proving myself yeah. to the world, like I was doing everything I could to make my company successful at every single expense in all areas of my life, at the expense of my family, at the expense of my friends, at the expense of my health. And I was so driven by that. So there is a certain element where like there's a lot of successful people out there that aren't, um, you know, self-aware. But what I'm finding is that the most like fulfilled people out there that are successful are the ones that are because it's coming from a place of like connecting to what they really want and not from like a story that they've adopted by society or culture or their childhood experiences that have created like a real fake story. And if, if you, if you just feel like you're not happy in life and like something's not working for you, um, and you, and you really can't point why, like a lot of times I see that the root in that is some type of, you know, incongruency where you're, mm. you're living into a story that you, you weren't even conscious that you created. And the journey of self-awareness is really like unraveling yeah. all those things. So you can be more consciously creating the world that's really coming from you and your like authentic desires and you authentically like who you really are. What do you, I guess not necessarily to do with you, but I'm curious just since clearly you've thought about this, why do you think so many people kind of struggle with that, that concept and, and really letting go of that, that story that you're talking about that, uh, that they've created unintentionally a lot of times. I think it's because like, it's really hard to see when you have your blinders on, <clears throat> you know, I did a program, which was probably one of the most impactful programs yeah. I ever did in my life called the landmark, the landmark forum. And they talk about having these blind spots <clears throat> and it's really what it is. It's kind of like, it's a blind spot because we don't see it. Like we don't know what's there. We don't know the reason we're acting a certain way or being a certain way. And once you shine the light on that blind spot, you can't go back. You know, once and that's why like, you know, it's really building that awareness. You know, the reason it's hard for people is because, you know, they might know something's off, but they don't really like they haven't unraveled the distinctions of where it's coming from. Mm. That makes a lot of sense to me. Like a lot of times people feel like it's, uh, you know, something, something's out of whack, something's out of place, something is, is as you said, it off, but maybe not getting to what that actually is. Uh, they just see some of the symptoms, I guess you could say. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I totally agree. It's, uh, somehow, um, <laughs> somehow time has flown by like crazy and, um, I really want to make sure that before we go, I want, I want to, I want to give you an opportunity just to let people know where they can find out more about you. Where can they find out more about Misha and like, how, how, how do they, how do they get connected up? Clearly you've got, uh, intently. Yeah. So, so you can actually, if you download intently, um, it's really easy. It's just a browser plugin. So you go to intently.com and you set up an account and you press approve to allow the intently to exist within your web browsing experience. 
And <clears throat> once you're in there, you can go to connections and you can type in my name, Misha, and uh, M-I-C-H-A, and add me as a friend. And what uh, you'll see my different vision channels that I've created for myself and my life, and you can subscribe to them if they resonate with you. And you can borrow some of my images to make your own. Um, and you can connect with me that way. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. is usually a really good platform to connect with me professionally. And um yeah, you know, I just kind of, I'd love to leave with a, um, just a story on like how the first time intently really impacted me. You know, I had this, this quote that I saw when I was on Facebook and it said, you will continue to be tested until you're no longer triggered. And I was like, I was like, wow, that's really powerful. Like, I wonder if like when I get pissed at somebody, if I'm just being tested for something and what, what would it mean if I like tried to think about what I'm being tested for in the moment? So I added that quote to my Intently uh-huh. channel, and I didn't think much of it at the time, but I start seeing that quote every single day, every single day. And I'm not even consciously seeing it. It's just like in my periphery, and I know it's there because it kind of shows up and set yeah. up an ad. And three weeks later, I'm having dinner with my mom, and she said something that just triggered the crap out of me. Like, moms know how to do more than anyone else somehow. <laughs> and <clears throat> I, I instantly asked myself, what am I being tested for right now? And I was like, oh, maybe I'm being tested to be compassionate towards my mom. And I was like, you know, actually, my mom is like looking at the world from a very different lens than I am. And I'm taking what she's saying and I'm making it mean something about me. But it really has nothing to do with me and everything to do with just the lens she's viewing the world in. And that level of compassion opened up that insight And I ended up having the most loving, connected dinner with my mom. It was just so great. And the next day, I was on one of my favorite blogs, and I saw the quote. And it was like this moment where I was like, holy crap, like intently improved my life last night. And I didn't even realize it at the time. And that's the power. Like, you know, a lot of our users will like sign up and they subscribe to someone's channel and they don't really do much after that. But the users that are like loving our platform are the ones that like think about, you know, like what's the limiting belief in my life and what's what's a quote I can find online to counteract the limiting belief. And then they add that to their intently. And that's that's how you can actually turn it into a tool that will like up-level your life, shift your experience, shift how you show up in the world and create a life that is more aligned with the life that you want to live. The reason I absolutely, uh, I guess, fell in love with it is because it allows you to be so much more intentional around places that many people didn't feel like they had control of before and embed stuff in your life, again, intentionally. Is it, I'm assuming that's where part of where intently <laughs> comes <laughs> comes from. Yeah. But, uh, but I, it's just that wasn't even an option. It just really, truly wasn't even an option two, three, four, five years ago, unless you, you know, literally wrote the code yourself. Yeah, and yeah, and that, and that's exactly that's exactly what it is, and it's nice because you know I'm kind of like this ADD entrepreneur, and like I have tried to be intentional in the past, and I've written up like goals and and written my intentions, but I'm I get distracted, and I don't open up that notebook every day and read them. I don't, you know, review them all the time, but intently is just there in the background. It just exists while you're browsing the web. So you don't have to do anything. It just shows up where you are anyways. So the nice part is that it's not like another thing you have to log into. Like you have to be logged in for it to work. And we love people coming to intently.com and selecting new images and, and friends and, and participating there. But 
you don't have to for it to work. It just shows up on every website you go to. So the really cool part is that it doesn't really, it's not like an extra thing you have to do. It integrates with your current experience. Well, hey, I, uh, do you have time for two more quick questions before we go? Before we, uh, I have two things that I want to, wanted to ask you. Yeah, absolutely. One is, um, I realized I really wanted to ask you about your whole 90 day timeline. You've mentioned that several times and I saw that show up in, in a couple of other different interviews. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, why the 90 days for you? Why is that so important? Or am I just misinterpreting that? And then, um, and then I also want to ask you why you feel you're the world's best hugger. <laughs> oh, you really did do your research, didn't you? <laughs> um, that's great. That's great. I've never been asked that before. We only um, ask the hard questions. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. So like the 90-day the timelines are – it's just a system that's worked for me. You know, like when I plan things out a year in advance, it, it rarely goes to plan. And, you know, I have ideas and visions as to what I'm creating like three years down the road and a year down the road. But – I look at 90 days as like an actionable time frame where you can put plans to work and then as you're going through that you're reviewing and and you know sometimes you're shifting your plans within those 90 days but for the most part that's a a, a really nice time frame um to to play that game that you're creating for that time and then you know creating a new game for the following quarter um so it's just always worked for me as a, a time frame that I'm able to identify goals and evaluate my progress on. And if I do it faster than that, like monthly, it, it, it tends to not really give time for things to unfold. And if I do it longer than that, it just, you know, it's, it's the plans end up changing so much anyways that it, it's not worth it. And as far as me being um, the world's greatest hugger, <laughs> uh, I... I've been told I give amazing hugs and I was pulled on stage at my friend's event to give a presentation on giving the world's greatest <laughs> hug and I had a few hours to prepare for it and my value proposition's presentation it was it was it was seven steps on giving the world's greatest hug and what I told the crowd which was very true and has come true to date was that if you follow these seven steps for the next 30 days and hug everyone who is willing to let you hug them, someone is going to tell you that that's the best hug they've ever gotten in your life. And to them, you are the world's greatest hugger. So it's not that I'm the only world's greatest hugger. I'm the world's greatest hugger in so many people's eyes and everybody has the power to do the same. And it's because the bar is really low. There's not enough hugging going on in the world as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, I'm, I'm a very huggy kind of guy. So, um, you know, so I, I've done that workshop a few times now and it's a lot of fun, you know. And um, I, I think I'm sure you can YouTube or Google something and find it if you want to. We will absolutely so. <laughs> look for that. We Maybe we'll lead with that. We'll see. <laughs> That's fantastic. Hey, seriously, thank you very, very much. This has been a, a completely fun conversation. So uh, thanks for making the time, man. Yeah, thank you, brother. Really great to be on, Scott, and uh, really uh, grateful to all of you that have tuned in to this whole time to just listen to, listen to everything we had to talk about. So I uh, hope, hope everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did with Misha. Uh, absolutely loved his story. But here's something I want to talk about really quick. First of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you for spending your time with us. And an even bigger thank you because 
what's happening next week is is actually a big deal in my life. So I am I am officially um, right at uh, right at uh, Thanksgiving, hanging up my HR career uh, officially, officially, and have been long time in the making and making HTYC my full time gig. This is what I want to do. I want to be able to help people identify and get to work that they love and makes them happy. And guess what? You've been a part of that. So that's why I wanted to say thank you. Thank you so much. And I do not want you to miss next week's episode because it is about the story of how we've done that and both the ups and downs of uh, of how HTYC has, has been built. And I, I think you're going to absolutely love it. Here's a, here's a clip from next week. Alyssa pulled up a quote this morning. Success is a pile of failure. You're just standing on top of it and not underneath of it. <laughs> We've identified the way we do that, and now it's the it's the the challenge and the scraping and every all the little things that uh, that pop up and and are stopping, you know, stopping us to be able to actually get that. And now, like the happy ending is that, um, hey, it's <laughs> we're actually making enough progress to be able to make that happen. Oh, I don't know how many times I asked that question. How does a podcast make money? <laughs> And I don't know, something about uh, the interview that um, Scott did with Austin was really, just really resonated. It was great. So I immediately went and checked out, you know, the Happen to Your Career website. I'm going to be, I'm going to be listening to this episode and there's going to be like, we're going to be like going along and all of a sudden it's going to be like, Mark told me what it was like to work with Scott. I had this stuff in between like the back of my throat and I couldn't get it out. <laughs> Then you'll find some place where like right now where I just said, what's it like to work with Scott? And you'll use that. We go through all these twists and turns and we're having these these failures. And finally, 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 we learn enough stuff to make it really start working. And then we really latch on to this. What we, what we knew in the beginning all along, but didn't really trust ourselves to go with it for long enough, I think. We, we knew who our customer was, clearly. Uh, we knew who we resonated with. We knew who we wanted to help. And we finally stopped ignoring it long enough to be able to make some money and help some of those people. It's definitely been awesome being involved because this is something that like I can really get behind. Like Personally, I've gotten a lot out of working, even before I was working with Happy Your Career, but just from you know the resources that Scott and Mark at the time were providing. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Okay, we'll see you next week. It's going to be awesome. I am way excited. And I want you to, if you haven't already, I want you to subscribe to the show. Please stop right now, You know, press pause, go to your podcast player, whatever it is. A lot of them have them in the top right corner, top left corner. Subscribe to the show. Make sure that you're getting it without even having to think about it because you are not going to want to miss next week's. Until then, adios. I'm out. Mm-hmm.